Welcome to As the Story Grows. I'm Brian Patton, and this week, it's me. It's me. Hi. Kicking off a new year of podcast, looking forward to what's on the horizon for new music in 2023, plus some thoughts on Furnace Fest, and a look back at Zayo's self-titled album and why it matters. Starting in February, the Friday pod will be back. I'm on vacation in the middle of January, and so we're going to keep one podcast a week for the rest of the month. Also, the Friday podcast will look a lot more like today's show going forward. For every artist I get to have on the podcast, there are tons of Bandcamp discoveries, label spotlights, new music from past guests that I want to share. Stuff that ends up on Discord and in the mailing list, but the listenership of the show is bigger than the people who are signed up for the mailing list and hanging out on Discord. Links to both will be in the show notes. Check those out. I also love sharing music. I hosted a radio show for 12 years that allowed me to share new music weekly, and I miss it. The Friday show will also be where the album reviews go. I loved the handful of reviews that I ended up sharing last year, and I want to expand that aspect of the podcast. The last thing happening on the Friday pod is a new segment called Albums That Mattered, which will debut today. I've been really inspired listening to DFT's Dungeon and the connection that certain albums have to moments in our lives. So we're going to get autobiographical. Hope you like hearing me speak. All right, let's start by chatting about Furnace Festival. Haste the Day recently announced an announcement. <laughs> On February 1st, the band will be dropping some news, and I think it's a fair bet to guess that they're playing Furnace Fest in 2023. Here is Furnace Fest founder Chad Johnson from January 2020 on this podcast talking about bringing the festival back. What made you want to uh, do Furnace Fest one more time? Uh, it really was my friend Johnny Grimes, who's one of the four partners. So so from a kind of like a business standpoint, Furnace Fest is um, four, four different guys who all have a passion and a connection to the festival. Uh, so thankfully, it's not just me trying to pull it all off because it, it is requiring way more time and energy than, than I ever thought it would. But um, uh, but one of the guys, um, Johnny, has been, I would say, consistently heckling me every time I'd see him in Birmingham. Like, dude, let's do Furnace Fest. It'd be fun. And I I just would be like, no way, man. It's, it is so much work, so much energy, so much financial risk. Um just like, nah, let's pass. And, and then a couple of years ago, he said, hey, man, 2020 is going to be the 20th anniversary of the first Furnace Fest. What if we do this one-time thing? And and I I guess when I heard the the year 2020, the one of the first thoughts was, it's, that's, that's quite a, 20 years is a long, a long ways away from where this thing started. And there's a lot of people that I used to see every year at Furnace Fest, only at Furnace Fest, that I now haven't seen for 16 or 17 years. And, man, like, I might never get the chance on planet Earth to see them again. And so that that was actually, a, that was probably the most um, inspiring kind of aspect to this, was like, man, what if what if this was the last chance that I get to give someone a hug that, uh, that and I don't I don't mean that in a morbid sense. I just kind of that in a reality that we're all getting older, and um, and I don't know that people who might come up from Florida or come down from New York or from all over the world, um, I don't know if we'll be in the same space again um, in this life. And so uh, so that to me that was like okay. And especially as I 
as I thought about bands, I was like, man, if, if, if we could pull Stretch Armstrong, if we could pull Beloved, which, which Stretch is still someone we're working on. I wish I could tell you, dude, we've confirmed Stretch. It's awesome. Unfortunately, <laughs> we're, we're still waiting for Stretch. And, uh, um, but, you know, like it's, it's fun regard, even the bands like the Chariot that so many people wanted or a Norma Jean Bless the Martyr album. You know, it's like all, all these, these kind of like cool ideas that people wanted. Uh, that I wanted have have been fun to revisit, even when they haven't always worked out the way I had hoped they would. And um, I, I've just been like, man, it's, it's 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 so cool to reconnect with a bunch of old friends about some crazy ideas, and then and then sometimes they stick. And Beloved is is an example of that. Of course, COVID came and fucked the world and ruined the livelihood of so many people in the entertainment industry, and just music in general kind of shut down. There were so album releases, but live music couldn't happen. And the celebration that was the return of Furnace Fest was put on hold until 2021. Bands backed out because of safety concerns or scheduling conflicts or positive COVID cases within the band. But Furnace Fest was, by all accounts, a huge success. And it was kind of a surprise that immediately after Furnace Fest ended, they announced the return of Furnace Fest in 2022. It seemed like there was less fanfare for the 2022 festival. Although I have been off social media on a personal level for over a year. And so I really don't have the same sort of interactions and fingertips on the pulse as I used to. The sheen and excitement of something from our youth returning and the bands we once loved coming back for one more ride seemed to have lost its luster, and I don't think the reunions, even though they were Sunny Day Real Estate and Elliot, um, seemed to not have the same sort of excitement built up. Um, but by all accounts, the fest was again a huge success, and again, they announced that it would return in 2023. What Furnace Fest has always done well, and what I think it's done even better in its return, is bridging the gap between bands from the Christian world, bands from the secular world. Uh, you have these once-in-a-lifetime reunion sets, the current biggest bands in the scene, see Turnstile from 2021, and a bunch of up-and-coming bands to be aware of. As an outsider, it looks like a lot of fun and the perfect festival for someone like me who just wants all the music all the time. But most people aren't like me, and it seems like Furnace Fest this year is trying to grab the same type of wow with its reunion that they had in 2021. Because the return and announcing training for Utopia, uh, that's fucking huge. Pair that with Gorilla Biscuits, a hardcore staple, and newcomers, the Callus Deo Boys, it was quite the kickoff. I'm curious about what the rest of the lineup this year will hold and what Chad and the crew sees as the future of the festival. It felt like an amazing once-in-the-lifetime opportunity that was a total bummer to miss and has morphed into one of the craziest and most anticipated moments of the years for fans of metal, punk, hardcore, emo. Uh, maybe it's time to get Chad back on the podcast and talk about Furnace Fest in 2023 and beyond. All right, let's talk about new music. <laughs> Let's 
Like I said, I've been off social media, so there are probably bands who have posted on their various social accounts about being in the studio, and I haven't seen it yet. So if I miss something, my apologies. This is a list based on what I know is coming, what I found on Google, through various other media outlets, and maybe a little insider information. And the first record that I think a lot of people in this scene who like heavy music uh, is the new In Flames record, Forgone. The singles released for the album have been absolutely amazing, and everyone seems to feel like, quote-unquote, old In Flames is back. I asked drummer Tanner Wayne about this, and he said, When it came to them writing this, they will always deny um, respectfully anyone assuming that we sit in a room and go, okay, you know, everyone doesn't like the soft stuff and, and, <laughs> and I, the mask and battles are being resented from the fans. We, we have to come back with this heavy old stuff that, that that's never, ever, ever going to be how they do this. Mm-hmm. And, it, and um, it's trippy to think that that's because I get it. Like a lot of bands do that kind of stuff. Okay. Like, guys, what are we thinking for the new record? Maybe we should go this way. Maybe we should go this way. In all honesty, Bjorn's brain and Bjorn's writing abilities, uh, they ooze Swedish metal. And literally, you put him in front of a computer, he's going to write in Flames music. You can hear the whole interview with Tanner in a few weeks, and Forgone is out on February 10th on Nuclear Blast Records. One of the records I'm personally most excited to hear is Paramore's This Is Why, also out February 10th via Atlantic Records. This is why I don't leave the house. You say the coast is but you won't catch me out. Oh, why? This is why. I saw Paramore at Purple Door Festival in either 2003 or 2004. The band was so new that they were on the bill under a different name and came out on stage and said, hey, we just changed our name to Paramore. They were young, and after a few songs, I was honestly unimpressed and moved on to see somebody else. I was surprised when later that same band was on MTV2 and was starting to create a real buzz. When they dropped Riot, that's when I fell in love with the band's sugary sweet brand of pop punk, and I've enjoyed watching their evolution. And I've enjoyed watching and listening to their evolution. After Laughter was an incredible record, and after Haley's introspective solo records, Paramore seems to have a renewed energy, and I can't wait to hear what the band has for us. The first great record of 2023 is UK hardcore band Polar's Everywhere Everything out January 13th on Rising Empire Records. I've heard the record and it's incredible. This is vocalist Adam Woodford speaking about the process of releasing the album. We're super proud of this record. It is possibly, it will be our strongest work mm-hmm. we've ever done um, because we had the time to do it, I imagine, over two years. Uh, but you don't really understand why you're living this like we've taken a process of making an album in a format that we've never done before in probably one of the hardest things that the human race was going through with a brand new lineup. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and when you write albums, the the understanding that I've definitely taken away from this is you need that chemistry. Like, and that chemistry has to kind of be woven in 
to make the process like fluid, make the songs ideas flourish, like grow, and uh, and suddenly you didn't have that fluidness. So it did create this real kind of stress on your mental health. That interview with Woody will air next week. If you like Deathcore, Suicide Silence, and Chelsea Grin have new music hitting earlier this year. Suffer in Hell from Chelsea Grin came out last year, and it was just like incredible horror deathcore, and I'm excited to hear Suffer in Heaven, the companion record to that. Attack Attack has a new single coming out in February and a record to follow later this year. In my head, it's still really hard to disassociate Attack Attack from Stick Stickly and that really shitty Crabcore video. <laughs> but I enjoyed the EP the band released last year, and I think that whole Rise record scene is a little bit like new metal. The farther away you get from the cringiness of it, you can appreciate what was good about that scene and about those bands. I'm very curious to hear Lightworker's sophomore album, the band has either finished it or is finishing recording the album. The band's debut took a while to grow on me, and when I listened to it early on, I thought it was a Howard Jones-era Killswitch record if I had it on in the background and just like with my eyes closed while I was working. And that's a huge compliment. I honestly had the record on, was working, and then had to stop to see which Killswitch record I was listening to, and it was Lightworker. I'm curious to see what element stays and where the band goes after having finally gotten to take their debut tracks out live. And then next, I have to give a shout out to friends of the podcast Iodine Records. I tried to get Casey to tell me there was a new Stretch Armstrong record coming in 2023, but he wouldn't. But Iodine Records has 13 releases scheduled for 2023, and Casey said that includes some big surprises. So be on the lookout for Iodine Records and what they have coming this year. And still, there are new records from All Out War, Baby Metal, Metallica, August Burns Red, The Acacia Strain, The Black Dahlia Murder, Project 86, Jesus Peace, and that just scratches the surface of what's to come. Plus, there are bands like Venues and The City Is Ours who released new singles in 2022 without album announcements. The way music is released these days creates a bit of a mystery as to what is just a new standalone single and a different approach to releasing new music and what is the first hint of a brand new record. Uh, I would love new records from venues and The City Is Ours. I know at the end of last year, I knew Jimmy at World released some singles. I didn't listen to them because I wanted to hear a whole album. And when I was putting together my end of the year list, I did a quick Google search to see when the new Jimmy Eat World record was coming out and realized the band was just dropping singles and had no album on the horizon, which is fine. It's a totally new way of approaching music. And I appreciate bands, especially bands with longevity, can just create music and release it uh, and have it exist without it being part of an album. But sometimes you want to preview like, what is this band doing? And it's just a new song. So I hope for albums, I'll take the singles. I just love music. What I'm most excited about for new music in 2023, though, is Discovery. Lorna Shore wasn't on my radar until the band dropped Sun Eater, and that song made me a fan, and their album became my favorite of 2022. Only about 25 or so of the 100 albums on my favorites list from 2022 came from bands that I'd been a fan of or listened to before 2022. That's a lot of new music making an impression on me. Yes, this podcast gives me the opportunity to discover new bands and albums, but it's also time spent on Bandcamp, where I'm just constantly downloading and saving albums to my wish list and getting to shows early to check out openers. 
that's how I discovered Angel Maker. 2022 was a ridiculous year for new music. It was really our first post-COVID year where all the music that had been in the works finally saw the light of day and we got tours and it was bananas. I listened to over 400 releases and discovered so much music and my hopes are high for 2023 and what the future holds. But next, we're going to look back and talk about an album that mattered to me. This is the story of an album that mattered for all the wrong reasons. There was a moment where music changed forever. Before Spotify and before iTunes, we had Napster. Napster was the infamous file sharing software that really kicked off the digital music boom. As someone obsessed with music, the ability to discover new bands without having to spend my limited money first was a godsend. And there are two records I closely associate with Napster. The Juliana Theory's Love and Zayo self-titled. The great thing about Napster was sometimes songs from albums leaked early. Sometimes albums leaked early. And yeah, it took hours to download one track, and it might stall before it finished, and you were tying up the phone line to check out any new music you could. At this point in Zayo's career, it seemed like a miracle that a new record was coming, and Dan was going to be on vocals. This was the peak of my Zayo fandom. I was starving for more content from my favorite band at the time. And I have a memory that the band's self-titled album's release date got delayed at least once, maybe twice. And so, of course, when tracks popped up on Napster, I was downloading them. And over the course of many months and many hours of tying up the phone line, I managed to download all of Zayo's self-titled album. But I'm still a collector, so when release day finally came, I drove to Tower Records and purchased my copy. I put the record on in my car while I drove home, and I was underwhelmed. It's not that I didn't like the songs. I love them, but I already knew them, and some of them I had had for weeks and months. I knew what twists and turns to expect. The joy of listening to an album for the first time had been taken away from me and left me feeling empty. I didn't get home and listen with the liner notes to read the lyrics. I just added the CD to the shelf and went about my day. A new album from my favorite band had been diminished because I had slowly acquired the tracks and let my impatience and need to know steal an experience that had been sacred. I mentioned that the Juliana Theory's Love was another record that I recall when I think about Napster. I downloaded about half of that album, felt lackluster about the songs, and didn't even buy the record until almost a decade after its initial release. Now, Zayo's self-titled remains my favorite record from the band. I saw the band live a lot during that album cycle, and yes, Corey was on vocals for all of it, and that record remains special, but it always serves as a reminder that the album experience is special, and that moment changed how I used Napster and viewed digital music forever. Now let's talk about some specific tracks on the album and why they remain my favorite. 
I'm going to skip over Five Year Winter, which is an instant classic and remains a Zayo staple, and jump to Alive is Dead. An underrated part of Zayo's discography, to me, is their instrumentals. I'm obsessed with Zayo's ability to create emotion with these tracks that almost seem random. Violet is such a gorgeous piano ballad that comes out of nowhere on the end of Blood and Fire. The intro on Liberate sets up the sense of unease and dread that carries throughout that entire record. Alive is Dead is almost pedestrian compared to those tracks that came before it. It's simple but melodic. Scott's guitar rift is very singable, and I've always found this track comforting. Total Scream is a song that blew me away the first time I heard it, and what made me fall in love with the track and why this album stands out in Zayo's discography is Dan's lower registry growls. It was the most dynamic his voice had been to that point, and I think it's the most dynamic his voice has been on any Zayo record, and it really helps drive and sell the emotion. When Dan hits that lower registry to scream martyr, it just, like, it, it gets me. Next up, we're going to welcome Dan Terry from DFT's Dungeon to talk about the race of Standing Still. It's always been interesting to me how a song can be written about one thing, but your personal interpretation and the thing that makes you think of that song can end up being very different than what the artistic intent is. And so for the song, The Race of Standing Still, that song always kind of hit me really close to home because... You know, I talk a lot on my podcast about, you know, kind of the rat race, like how hard it can be sometimes to make money to get ahead in life. You know, one of the things that I always complain about is how no matter how big of a break I get or no matter how lucky things might be or however, you know, my financial situation turns out being year by year, we're always kind of racing towards this goal, right? This idea that this amount of money or, or wealth or fame or happiness or relationships or whatever it is, whatever your goal is, you always feel like you're racing for it. It's always the thing that's intangible. It's just outside your grasp and you're always running towards it. You're always like, man, I'm going to be in a better place in a year than I am now. But then a year later, you find that either your goal has changed or your goal has eluded you once again, you know, and that's what this song kind of reminds me of just, you know, the very repetitious nature of the song of Dan screaming in the race of, in the race of standing still, you know, I'm racing towards it, racing towards it, holding perfectly still. That's just kind of how that song has always sort of impacted me is it always kind of makes me reevaluate if I should be racing towards anything 
at all. Maybe maybe the things that I need or the things that would actually make me happy are are right there instead of me just sort of running on the treadmill of life trying to achieve a goal that I may not be able to achieve because no matter how much money I make, no matter where I get in life, no matter how much fame or popularity I achieve, the world just has this way of adjusting around us and changing our goals or changing our intentions and motivations. And this song just sort of always reminds me that no matter how much I race, I'm probably just going to be in the same spot that I was in before. And it's kind of depressing and it kind of sucks. But I mean, that is kind of uh, the Zayo self-titled for you in a nutshell. The Dreams That Don't Come True remains my all-time favorite Zayo song. It hits with so much pain and emotion as Dan goes from clean vocals to screaming. It just tears at the heart. I used to frequent the POD message boards and there was a girl I'd chat with whose favorite band was Switchfoot and I told her that she might enjoy this song. Dear listener, she did not. <laughs> Lyrically, the song still packs a punch. I tried again, I fell again to find out for myself it hurts for Even the title, The Dreams That Don't Come True, is evergreen. We all live with those unfulfilled dreams, those forgotten and abandoned dreams. And that the band then follows that up and closes without zero, an absolutely blistering track that closes the album with the same ferocity that Five Year Winter opens it with. The self-titled error was a tumultuous one for Zayo, and that record reflects a disconnected band, but the art they still managed to create is something uniquely special to that time, and that is why that album matters. Thanks for listening to As the Story Grows. Our intro music was written and composed by Jeremy Hunt. The As the Story Grows theme is by Bob Nana. If you like what you hear, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and give us a rating and review. If you'd like to support the show financially, you can join us at patreon.com slash as the story grows. Be a part of our community and join the ongoing conversation over on Discord. If you enjoy this episode, share it on social media with your friends. Much appreciated, and thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.